Hello everybody and welcome to Nintendo Week for the end of week of February 11th through 17th. I'm your host, Colin McIsaac, and as always, I'm joined by Alex Plant. Hello. And Benley Moreau. What's going on, everyone? This week marked the launch of the new Nintendo 3DS XL and a Smash Bros. leak that shocked the internet. After the break, we are going to talk about new Nintendo 3DS, our impressions from the launch, and where we think Nintendo plans to take it, so be sure to stay tuned. This week marked the launch of the new Nintendo 3DS and The Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask 3D. So naturally, there were a bunch of stories published recently uh, interviewing Eiji Onuma, the longtime producer of the Zelda franchise. We have three of them here to share with you today, but if you'd like to know more, you can find it all at Gamnesia.com, or you can visit our sister site, Zelda Informer, where they break it down in even more depth. Onuma says that his retirement is probably not too far off. Uh, those are his words. He's been at the helm of the series for quite some time, and he's currently looking for someone to whom he can pass the baton. This is probably a pretty long process. Uh, I'm sure he's got at least another game or two up his sleeve before he seeds most of his duties off. Uh, but likewise, I'm sure he's already seeding some of his work to other team members to see who's best fit to uh, to take on his role when he moves on. In a recent Iwata Asks, Onuma reveals that he did not want to remake Majora's Mask. Uh, ben, I know you're a, a big fan of this story, so do you want to take the wheel on this one? Yeah, absolutely. This is uh, one of the most amusing things I've reported on recently. <laughs> so, yeah, it was during Iwata Asks, and... Uh, they were discussing the way you can just simply like close the lid on your 3DS and set it down and walk away. And Onuma used that as an analogy for like his thoughts towards the game as well. He said, I kind of wish that I could just close the lid and never open it up again and pretend it didn't happen. And uh, he says, so I told Miyamoto I didn't want to work on another iteration. Of Majora's Mask, that is. Yes, of, of Majora's Mask. And I was met by Miyamoto-san's firm, nope. <laughs> that was uh that nope. was the end of that discussion <laughs> yeah that was the end of the report wasn't it well yeah there's there's like one more like quote from a wad after that but yeah that basically He's sums firm. it up nope so uh do we call that flipping the tea table onuma i don't want to miyamoto upends tea table <laughs> I, I feel like Let that's onuma's career commence. in a nutshell i love seeing all these stories because you know miyamoto makes all these great games and he's always this happy smiling guy in public and then you just read these stories where he's just super blunt to the people he works with like i remember when uh i believe it was a prototype of mother was shown off to him like the you know earthbound zero for those who are not familiar with the, the term mother and uh, his response was, hmm, I guess we'll have to find some way to turn this into a video game. <laughs> <laughs> Classic oh manager my. sass. So Anuma also wanted to rework the bosses in Majora's Mask 3D to give players a more obvious goal. Um, he says that boss fights in the original felt like they were only won by randomly attacking the boss until you got it right. Now the team has added large Majora-like eyes to the bosses so players have an obvious weak point to target. Um, and I understand the sentiment of wanting battles to feel more strategic, and I fully support that, but, like, I just kind of feel like, really? Gigantic eyeballs? Like, that's the video gamiest video game trope that there is. I feel like they could have taken a much more clever or at least a more subtle approach to solve that same problem. Um, of course, both of you guys have a lot more experience with Majora's Mask than I do, so what do you think? I'll start off. I think you're you're totally on uh, spot on about the eyeball weak points. Um, they're not just a like huge video game trope. They're like a huge Zelda trope uh, from the very beginning, from the first game with, with Goma and her eye. But what makes the eyeball trope even more weird in Majora's Mask is that the eyes only show up when the bosses are stunned. And for the most part, most of the bosses you stun in the same ways that you did in the original game, which is a result of randomly attacking the boss till you get it right. 
So adding weak points doesn't even really solve the perceived problem because you still have to, you know, break through Adalwa's shield or smash into Got as a Goron or shoot Georg with arrows or hit him is with your Zora. Is it Gott? Eh, is it Gott? I always thought it was goat. I always pronounce it Because it was God, like a goat. But <laughs> he's really more of a mechanical bull, which makes the yeah. fact that you grind into him really hilarious to me. Um, <laughs> so anyway, but you're doing all the same stuff you were doing originally to get in your hits, but then they add in this weird extra step where before they were just stunned and you just kept slashing them repeatedly. But now it's like, oh, I have to slash a specific part of the boss. So it it, it it doesn't seem natural to me. It seems like it was just shoehorned in and breaks up the tempo. And for the most part, it wasn't, a, it wasn't an ideal change, I th- I'd say. But then you look at the other boss, Twin Mold, who's probably the most drastically altered boss. They took a boss that already had weak points. You would shoot them in their heads or their tails, or you'd hit them with the sword while wearing the giant mask. Uh, very similar to the Landmola from A Link to the Past. And then they change it to make it somehow even more random because you midway through the fight, you'd like, oh, I got the giant's mask. All of a sudden it, it pops up in a treasure chest in the middle of a boss fight. And then you put it on and all of a sudden you can like beat down with your fists. And it, it just took a boss that was very clean and made it really random. So I don't, I thought it, I thought that was weird reasoning for wanting to change the bosses that he wanted to make them less random. When in the end, I feel like they weren't any less random at all. Plus, I, I didn't like the Majora Eyes thing. I think the bosses were were much nicer when they were just kind of these random demons, and you didn't really know what what they were. Yeah, it seems like I I admittedly I just got my new 3ds today while we're recording this. I guess it's yesterday if you're listening to this on Wednesday, and two days ago if you're listening on Thursday. Time travel. <laughs> wow. Yeah, so I I just recently started, so I haven't had the chance to see the bosses with the weird Majora eyes, but definitely reading the story originally a little while back, and then now hearing it reconfirmed uh, in this interview, it just seems absurd to me. Yeah. I mean, I can understand them wanting to add obvious weak points, but like you said, you know, you still have to kind of go at them randomly first, and then when it does pop up, why not give each boss a weak point that fits their specific style or their specific look. I don't know why you have to give them all like, Because then Majora you don't understand. This is Majora's Mask. <laughs> so Ubisoft is holding back a finished game from releasing on Wii U due to the system's low sales. Uh, the game is called Know Your Friends. It's a party game exclusive to Wii U. Development is complete, but Ubisoft has no clear plans to release it. Ubisoft CEO Yves Guillemot, I apologize if I butcher that name. Your um, French says, is impeccable. I am a genius. <laughs> Ubisoft CEO simply says, it will come. If you're interested in the game, you can learn more about it at Gamnesia.com, but the real story is the upset that this knowledge has caused within the community. So of course, Ubisoft and Nintendo have a recent history of conflict, so some Nintendo fans are a little angry, and some are more than a little angry. Uh, but it seems like Ubisoft is really just waiting until the Wii U has a bigger install base so that they can launch uh, so that they can launch their game at a more optimal time for them, so so that there are more people who are able and willing to buy the game once it comes out. I think that's probably true, and at the same time, it's kind of a depressing reality because it seems like third parties are waiting for a bigger install base that's never going to show up. Right. Uh, I, f- I get the impression, based on the timing of what they say about the development period, that they were planning this to come out on the heels of games like Wii Sports uh, Club and Wii Fit U, those kind of party games that not really party games, but like casual non-gamer games that were present on Wii. And I think they wanted to piggyback off of the install base that would come in through those titles and give them something else to do with their Wii U. And then in the end, you know, both of those games seem to have bombed 
from my perspective. Uh, Wii Sports Club certainly didn't move the barometer like uh, Wii Sports did on Wii, and Wii Fit likewise. So I don't know. I don't know that the install base they're waiting for is ever going to show up. Right. I think it's unfortunate that we've seen Ubisoft kind of dial back their support of Nintendo over the past year and a half or so, but I understand where they're coming from just because there are games that have long-term selling power. Like, a Mario comes out in 2012, and if you buy the console that it's on in 2014, you're probably still going to go pick up Mario, or the same as, like, Halo for Xbox. But this is not one of those games. This is the type of game where the vast majority of its sales are going to come in the first month. And Ubisoft initially revealed that they had a, a Wii U game in development. They didn't say it was a party game or announce its name at that time, but that they had a, uh, a completed Wii U game that they were sitting on back when Wii U had about 5 million sales. And now it's just sitting at about 9 million sales, which still isn't exactly ideal. And, you know, they, they don't want to launch it until it's, it's at a place where they know they can throw it out there and it'll do good in its first month. Because otherwise, it's just going to end up in the $5 bargain bin in Walmart. But the the problem with that is, I don't know, like Alex said, I don't know if it's ever going to get to this number that's going to work for them, especially because even when Nintendo's install base does get bigger, if it gets to like 15 million Wii U sold or 20 million Wii U sold, it's still going, this game is still going to have to compete with Nintendo Land, which has already sold like 3.83 million units, and it's going to have to compete with Mario Party and other similar party games like that. And I don't know if their Wii U install base is ever going to be big enough where this this game will really be able to sell in the midst of other party-type games. Alright, so a new video has been released showing off the character creator in Xenoblade Chronicles X. Players can customize the main character, Cross, which, by the way, is a very fitting name, with a surprising number of options. Uh, male or female, skin tone, face types, hairstyles, and colors, a number of smaller facial details, and even 20 different voices, 10 for... The male and 10 for the female. Oh, a side note, by the way, on that subject. I hear one of the uh, voice actors for the Japanese version is the Japanese voice of Shulk. Yes, yeah, one of the one of the male voices. I think it's the standard male. Uh, either way, yeah. there's also a lot more artwork that's been released, both official promotional art and also artwork coming from an interactive world map online. So you can head to Gamnesia.com to check it all out. Nintendo has reserved a theater for E3. It seats 299 people, so it's not nearly as large as the Nokia theater that they've held uh, E3 shows in previously. It's the same theater that they used to hold smaller press conferences and developer roundtables in in the past, so it likely doesn't mean much that they've reserved it again. Uh, However, the theater has recently been renovated with new AV capabilities. We don't know whether they booked the theater for the regular roundtable times, the larger press conference times, or just the entire duration of E3. So it's not particularly exciting yet, but it is something to keep an eye on. A few days ago, the internet exploded over leaked footage of Rayman as a character in Super Smash Bros. Uh, If you haven't seen the story already, you can check it all out at Gamnesia.com and see just why it's so convincing. But it turns out that that was an extremely elaborate fake created by a YouTuber named Artsy Omni. And here to discuss the story with us is Omni himself. Welcome to the show, Omni. Hey, how's it going, guys? Good to, good to have you here. How you doing? Doing pretty well. Awesome. Well, you created just about the most convincing hoax that the Smash community has ever seen. Um, you've answered this question a million times now, but if you don't mind, let's, let's hear it once again for our listeners. Why did you decide to make such a gruelingly high-quality fake? Uh, so, initially, uh, the plan was basically just to create uh, more time-lapse paintings of various characters in the Smash style. Uh, I had done that Klonoa back in uh, June of last year, and I kind of wanted to start doing more YouTube stuff just so Mm -hmm. I could kind of 
build a following a bit. Uh, That's right. Uh, and for anyone listening, actually, Omni is the same. You may remember a Klonoa. Uh, there was art of Klonoa drawn in the Super Smash Bros. style. Um, this is the same guy who did the Klonoa League, uh, so he now worked on the Rayman League as well. That's right. Uh, so... Ever since I did that Klonoa kind of leak thing, that's something that got debunked really quickly. I posted that on GameFAQs, and uh, I also tried to make some banners that would hypothetically be used on the website, but I didn't realize that it said, Ike joins the battle, instead of something about Klonoa, because the American version doesn't have the characters' names in them at all. It just says, a new challenger approaches, or something like that. So I made that mistake, and it got debunked. So in the back of my mind, I have this thought that, I could totally do something that's way more authentic. And uh, I wanted to do Rayman because obviously he's really easy to do. He doesn't have any limbs, so it's easy to fake. And he's got a trophy in the game, so it's easy to know what he might look like if he was in the game. And the idea of doing a leak for it, I kind of wanted to use that to get the attention of the Smash community. Uh, but for me, in my head, I spent a lot of time on the Smash boards. So to me, the Smash community is just that board and maybe Reddit. And I didn't really think, you know, this could be, this could get bigger than, than any of that. So I just put it on 4chan and wanted to see where it would go if I tried to do video footage as well. And it completely exploded and caught me <laughs> completely by surprise. So contrary to popular belief, you weren't intentionally crushing everyone's hopes and dreams. No, no. Lives, right? Yeah, I see all these comments like... Why would you do something just to make people angry? And I was like, that, that wasn't my intention at all. It was really just to try to show people what I can do. And that way, mm-hmm. once the Smash community is kind of seeing what I can do, then I can create a dialogue with them so that I could get their suggestions for future art. So really, I was just trying to like get their attention. And that way, I could do art for the community rather than try to guess what people would like and do what's what I would do necessarily. So mm-hmm. that's kind of the intention. Obviously there. there's a, there's been a lot of positive feedback from this, but has, has any of the negative feedback bothered you at all from the people that are upset by it? Oh, certainly. I mean, you, you can't be like, it's hard. You, people tell you to ignore it and like, it's easy to let it get to you. Uh, but I mean, part of the negativity I feel like is warranted just because as much as I feel like this was kind of an innocent thing to do, I've, I've been thinking about it a lot. And, uh, like, part of me feels like I haven't quite earned the subscribers that I've gotten up to this point. Like, I see all these other YouTubers out there, and they've put in, like, hundreds of hours of work trying to get their channel to grow, and they have less than I do now. And so I kind of feel bad, but... We're sitting at 550. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so I feel like... While maybe I have earned the respect of some people as an artist, I maybe have lost the trust and respect of other people as a person. So what I really want to do at this point is to kind of like try to do what I can with my channel to earn that back. So that's part of why I really want to do what the community wants. Yeah, in a way it's it's helped you achieve a platform to do more with your art from here on. Right, exactly. So I want to do something positive rather than rather than something deceitful at this point. So aside from the incredible visual quality, uh, not only in recreating the Smash art style, but in attention to detail in the faked footage, uh, what do you think it was about this hoax that had people so convinced? That's a good question, actually. Uh, I think actually a, a large part of it is stuff that wasn't even in my control. Like there was apparently sort of a, a leak of, of sorts back last year where apparently a, a Nintendo rep from Canada s- said that Rayman would be playable. And I didn't actually know that was a thing. So when I was looking at some of the Reddit comments, I was like, remember this, guys? This lends credence to the, the idea that Rayman might be playable. And I was like, wow, <laughs> this is actually like this perfect cocktail that I didn't really know about. So the fact that he's also got a trophy in the game that feels kind of random because 
very few other third parties have any sort of representation in the game, even in trophy form. So, right. uh, so yeah, I think it's a lot of other things on top of the amount of work I put into it. I think maybe it's just one of those things where so many people wanted it to be true that it kind of, you know, biased right. their, their beliefs and it made them, you know, they made them think it was true just because of how bad they wanted it. So, and this isn't the end of the road for you in making Smash Art, right? Uh, you have this series called Smashified coming up on your YouTube channel. Would you yes. like to tell us more about that? Uh, sure. Uh, so, Smashified is essentially a series where I will be taking community suggestions on Twitter and YouTube, and uh, I'm going to be creating art in the style of Smash 4 for various characters that I get suggestions for. So, uh, I'm still tallying up a lot of the suggestions that I've gotten so far, and uh, there's a lot of stuff that I really didn't expect uh, uh, not super clear, but there's definitely a lot of standouts, and some of the standouts, some of the standouts are actually things I didn't expect to see. Like, there's been a lot of Shovel Knight, and there's been a lot of Shantae. Uh, Banjo Kazooie has been huge. Crash has been huge. A lot of these like mascot characters from from years past that have kind of died away. There's a lot of people who want characters like that, so I think I might focus on that. I'm also trying to balance like whether I should do more third-party characters or Nintendo characters. So right, because there's a lot of there are still a lot of leftover yeah, Nintendo characters certainly. that have that have huge uh, fan bases. So yeah, that's basically what that's that is. All right, where can people follow you uh, on uh, Twitter and YouTube if if they want to contribute to Smashified and if they want to follow your work? Uh, so my YouTube channel is called Artsy Omni, and on Twitter, I am also Artsy Omni. No spaces on the Twitter hashtag. Twitter, so. Well, there you have it, guys. The man whose mere existence discredits any and all future leaks. <laughs> um, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us, Omni. It's been yeah, a pleasure. it's been really fun. Thanks. Twitch Plays Pokemon first started on February 12th, 2014, and to commemorate its one-year anniversary, the community is holding a new playthrough of Pokemon Red version, and this time, they are trying to complete the entire Pokedex. Unfortunately, they are using a ROM hack that allows the player to catch all Pokemon, so the journey won't be unthinkable, because certainly <laughs> Twitch trying to catch all the Pokemon through normal means would be a nightmare. Oh, um, it's not through normal means. They have the guidance of Helix. Oh, yes! <laughs> Uh, but if you liked the original Twitch Plays Pokemon and you want to follow this new playthrough, uh, do be sure to check it out. We will link it to you uh, in the description if you're watching this on YouTube uh, or in the article below if you're watching this here at Gamnesia.com. If you're listening to this on iTunes, then a very sincere thank you. Um, but we can't link to you. We can't link you something from iTunes. The Japanese website for Mario Party 10 has leaked three new amiibo. The latest Nintendo Direct announced a Mario Party line of amiibo, and while Rosalina, Wario, and Donkey Kong are compatible with Mario Party 10, they are noticeably absent from the Mario Party line. But on the Japanese website, if you scroll over an amiibo, you'll see a picture of that amiibo next to its corresponding game board. And if you scroll over Rosalina, Wario, or Donkey Kong, the amiibo that appears next to the game board shows the character in a new pose with a red base, just like the rest of the Mario Party line. So we know nothing about these amiibo, but if they're there on the website, it's a safe bet that they'll be announced sometime soon, and they'll likely be rolled out with the rest of the Mario Party lineup. Sonic Boom has only sold 500,000 units between the Wii U and 3DS versions of the game. It was supposed to be a western reboot of the franchise, but of course the Wii U version is plagued with bugs and that led to all sorts of horrible PR. 
Um, but what do you guys think? Is this the end of the road for the Sonic Boom games? You know, this is, between the two versions, this is a pretty big commercial failure. So will this disincentivize them from uh, continuing Sonic Boom in the future? Or with the cartoon still going strong on television, do you think they will try again? I mean, the, the whole television slow show slash video game series worked pretty well for them in the 90s, but that's because they offered a quality video game product to go along with an entertaining show. And when you just come out with broken games that are just universally criticized. I, I mean, I think they've, they've tainted the name as a video game brand, so I, I don't see them attaching the Boom label to any future games. I don't I don't think that would benefit them in any way. They could still try to use the show to promote future games, but I don't see the point in making them Sonic Boom games. Well, let's just be honest. They released Sonic Boom on the heels of Sonic Lost World, which was also a commercial success. That's sarcasm, by the way. Okay, yeah, I was like, was it? it I think it wasn't. No, it, it really wasn't at all. Uh, I think it, it's going to depend on how much it's costing them to farm it out to whichever Western developer that was that was working on it. Uh, uh, big red button. Big red button. Yeah, A new right. developer made to make yeah. Sonic Boom. Well, um, great job, guys. <laughs> I think if it if the cost is uh, low enough, and judging by the results, I think it's probably safe to say that it was. Uh, it's possible that they could just see it as a, a, just a tie-in product uh, where the game isn't even important, uh, but the show is. And the, so they'll keep releasing it on those merits, kind of like how you still see licensed Disney games, even though when was the last time one of those was actually relevant? Like Aladdin for like the <laughs> Super Nintendo? No, 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 The Lion King. To celebrate Fire Emblem's 25th anniversary, Nintendo is holding a concert series in Japan. This year, 2015, marks 25 years since the Fire Emblem series launched. The series is currently playing two shows this September in Tokyo, with no information about whether its run ends there, or continue the tour like the Zelda and Pokemon symphonies have been doing. We also don't know whether it will be like a rock concert or a symphony or what just yet. So this marks the first time that Nintendo's done a non-game tribute to one of their franchises that isn't like a double A tier mega hit like Pokemon or Zelda. Do you guys think that these kind of events are going to become more common in the future? Seems like it falls in line with their push for broader licensing. So probably, uh, maybe not events per se, but certainly uh, cases where they let other people kind of do stuff with their with their IP. And this, I'm assuming this isn't Nintendo actually running the whole thing. It's they probably sold it out or sold the rights to some uh, producer. I'm sure. Uh, just yeah. you know, the same the same way it's, kind of it's worked with the Zelda and Pokemon concerts. I I can't imagine it's it's first party Nintendo. AJ Onuma has also talked about uh, how the overworld will play a large role in Zelda U, the upcoming Legend of Zelda game for you guessed it, Wii U. Um, Alex, you. You have a lot to say about this, I know. So do you want to do you want to take the ball? I will. So he he's commented this time on how Zelda's going to have the new Zelda's going to have a uh, seamless overworld, which I know echoes a lot of what he said previously. Uh, one of the the salient points throughout most of his interviews is that you know now we have the hardware that we can create this seamless world that isn't you know full of walls. So on the surface, it's it seems like business as usual, but when you really break it down, uh, let's let's read a snippet from the quote. Uh, when I first showed off the new Zelda game on the Wii U, it seemed everyone was very excited and started proclaiming that a Zelda game had at last become open world. But then he says, Zelda games have always allowed you to roam and explore a huge world. What's changed now is that the hardware has progressed to the point where you can now explore this vast world seamlessly. The underpinning of the game hasn't changed. I'm kind of reading some emphasis on that point you know, had at last become open world as if 
somehow Zelda games are going to be completely different now that there are that the overworld is seamless. Um, he seems to be saying, you know, it's not going to be that different. We've always made games with large worlds, but you know, now uh, we have the technology to get rid of those loading screens, uh, get rid of these sort of tunnel entrances between areas. So, I mean, think back to Hyrule Field and Ocarina of Time. You had a central uh, central hub, but you had all these kind of spokes that went off into different areas. And it seems like now it's you aren't going to have spokes. You're going to have entire regions that are all seamlessly connected, uh, no gameplay borders between them. So do you think, I mean, not only in terms of gameplay borders, but do you think that also means that these sort of regions will be directly incorporated into the world map? So if you look at like Ocarina of Time, for example, uh, you have the you have Hyrule Field, and that's that's sort of the, the, the main overworld, sort of the hub kind of area. But then if you look like physically on the map of Hyrule, every different location is like spouts out of a different it looks like a thought web almost yeah exactly uh, do you think that do you think that that sort of um like do you think that sort of landscape planning uh will continue or do you think that that all of these different areas will be completely seamlessly incorporated within that initial big bubble well they said they're taking cues from the first game which didn't have these defined separate regions. Right, okay. Um, you could tell which area you're in based on the environment, but there was no real transition. Uh, there's transitions between individual screens because of the limitations of the screen size, but it's one world map. There's not several different maps that are linked together. And I'm thinking that's what he's saying here. I'm thinking he's saying, you know, this isn't going to be a Skyrim in Hyrule where you have this giant world and then maybe some dungeons and then there's like side questy collect-a-thon stuff in between it seems like it's going to be a lot of the stuff we're used to in zelda so using items to interact with the environment or fighting monsters or maybe finding some caves which i know we're in skyrim also um but the zelda stuff will be there at the same time i do think it'll i i still think it's going to be a little bit of a jarring change just because the previous game skyward sword was probably the most segmented off overworld we've seen yet or, I mean, you can't even physically go from the re- directly from one region to another. You have to go up into the sky and parachute down. So e- even if it still very much has that Zelda feel, we're going from a very segmented game to a much more open game and just, you know, one main console jump. Right. I'm kind of wondering if uh, the point of compar- better point of comparison might be Ocarina of Time from a 3D Zelda perspective, just because uh, that game, it, it had some linearity to it, but at the same time, as soon as you break out into Hyrule Field, it's like you can go to Gerudo Valley, you can go to Lake Hylia. So it may be that that's a better uh, point of reference than Skyward Sword, where they seem to be of the opinion that, oh yeah, players need us to help them get to where they need to go, and they seem to have changed gears on that. So that might be the big change as far as the overworld is concerned, not uh, that we're going to make it into some like different genre. Mm-hmm. Right. So some important information for Nintendo fans again. Uh, upcoming dates include February 18th, Pokemon Shuffle launches. So actually, that is today, this Wednesday, assuming you're listening to this on either iTunes, Gamnesia, or Podbean. Uh, and if you're listening to this on YouTube, uh, then happy Thursday, Pokemon Shuffle is out. Um, <laughs> on February 20th, the Meta Knight Amiibo launches at Best Buy. The rest of Wave 3, I believe, is out already. But uh, for whatever reason, Best Buy held off on Meta Knight. It is available on the 20th. And this summer, Pokémon Tournament launches in Japanese arcades. Uh, still no information about worldwide release. Still no information about a Wii U port. 
but uh, we will keep you updated when we have some. Uh, some other facts here, Wii U sales are up 30% over last January, while Wii U software sales are up 45% over that same time. They didn't report specific numbers, nor did they report on numbers for 3DS. Remember, the Wii U is still not selling all that well. Don't use the 30% statistic to say that it's, that it's dominating, but that is at least some healthy growth. So that's it for this week's recap, but after the break, we will discuss the new Nintendo 3DS, our impressions, where we think Nintendo is planning to take this advice, how has the launch gone, how has our system transfers gone? Pretty terribly. I'm rambling. We're going to cut some music. So hello everybody, we are back from the break. I hope you enjoyed that amazing music. I haven't picked out the music yet, so I hope it was amazing. <laughs> um, but, uh, uh, so we are here to discuss the new Nintendo 3DS. Uh, of course, this just launched last Friday. Um, so we have all had some time with it, uh, varying amounts of time, but uh, uh, Alex is gonna lead us on this segment. So do you wanna take the reins here? Sounds good. So uh, new Nintendo 3DS was announced last summer-ish. Um, and I know a lot of us probably had reactions back when it was announced. So to give us some context to how we feel about it now, let's let how about each of us go over what we thought of it when it was first announced. I didn't really think much of it. I thought it was cool that there was a C stick, but I mean that's kind of it. Like it just looked like another 3DS, basically, to me. And that's kind of how I feel currently too. Did you think when it was announced that they were going to have this? push for unique games that can only be done with the better processing power well see that's interesting because so well when they announced it they announced that there would be better processing power and they announced that xenoblade chronicles 3d would only be available for new nintendo 3ds and fast forward here we are i would say about six months probably it's been since they first announced it and still xenoblade chronicles 3d is the only game that we know of that's exclusive to new nintendo 3ds um, I'm sure there will be more in the future, but I don't think there are going to be that many more. Yeah, that's that's something I was kind of hoping to see, is that they would support it with a lot of exclusive games, just because otherwise, I mean, both from their perspective and our perspective, I just spent $200 on a new handheld, I want to get my money's worth, and if they're going to release any exclusive games on it, I feel like they should just go all in on it, otherwise there's there's just not much incentive for people to go out and buy it, and then they're limiting, greatly limiting the install base. If they yeah. only have, you know, a few games on there. Well, so I wonder, uh, they have an interesting hurdle ahead of them uh, in balancing the install base of the 3DS versus the new Nintendo 3DS. And because obviously they want to maximize software sales by making it compatible with uh, with the older models of the Nintendo 3DS. But they also want to maximize hardware sales of the new Nintendo 3DS by making software that's only available for it. So I'm wondering what their strategy might be to balance that. Uh, you know, we have Xenoblade Chronicles 3D. I'm wondering if we'll maybe have more remakes of Wii uh, or GameCube games that are only compatible with the new Nintendo 3DS. Um, but I, I don't know that they'll make any exclusive original games. Uh, that, I think, is still a question for me. It's interesting to see how it's done in Japan so far, because the headline game, I would say, for a new 3DS is still Monster Hunter 4. 
uh, which is, is that you know, only compatible a game for that, new 3ds it's not only compatible but it's uh the addition of the c-stick for hardcore monster hunter players is probably it's demonstrated actually that it's enough to get them to purchase new hardware that's not the case here though where monster hunter isn't this like big phenomenon right because they they have you know the, monster hunter can't do that for them here Right. It's like there's there's no killer app, really, for a new 3DS at launch. I mean, you could say Majora's Mask, but that's not really a new 3DS. That's not a new 3DS killer app. That's a 3DS nice uh, software for existing owners to pick up, not a killer app. So, I mean, I'm definitely impressed with the uh, new processing power, like launching Smash Bros or switching to Majora's Mask. Fr- like, like, switching even from full-fledged software is a total breeze with the new system. But that and the quicker downloads of software are really, I think, the two main strengths of the new Nintendo 3DS. Uh, there are some other niceties, the, what they call super stable 3D. I just call normal 3D. Um, <laughs> but, uh, that, you know, that's, that's nice. It's not quite, I don't think, as uh, mind-blowing as some people have tried to tell me that it is. Um, you know, it's well, very did nice. Did you use the 3D much on the original? Uh, I did. I've been playing Smash Bros. and Pokemon a lot for the most part in the uh, in recent months. But, you know, when I was playing Kid Icarus, when I was even playing Fire Emblem, um, playing Luigi's Mansion, Ocarina of Time, there are a lot, a lot of 3DS games that I played. And I almost, I, I religiously used the 3D. So my experience so far with the, the 3D feature of the new 3DS, all I've played on it is uh, Majora's Mask. I picked up a couple other games, but I haven't really had time to dig into them. But... For normal gameplay, I think the 3D is a lot more stable, and I can, you know, move my handheld to the left or right a little bit without so much trouble, or move my head back and forth, not so much trouble. Very stable. One really horrendous problem I've had, every single cutscene in Majora's Mask 3DS looks awful to me in 3D. Like, I'm just, it's blurry, and there's ghosting, and it's, it's like stuff is jumping out of the screen and poking me in the eye. It, like, worse than it was on the original 3DS. And I'm not sure if that's just a problem with the cutscenes in Majora's Mask, because I haven't played any of the other games yet, but, I mean, gameplay has been absolutely great with the 3D on. I just don't know why the cutscenes the cut seem so bad to me. Um, so we've kind of been digging into this already, but what do we think of the hardware? Uh, not just from a functionality perspective, but just from an overall hardware experience perspective. I, I guess I'll jump in. This is my first time owning an XL model. Uh, I previously was on the original 3DS with all of its fun angles and crevices. Uh, so uh, <laughs> Alex uh, really hates the old 3DS. I really hate the old 3DS. I I liked it for like the first couple months that I owned it, and then I realized as I started playing it more and had more games than just Ocarina of Time, which anytime I play Ocarina of Time is going to be a good time. So I didn't I didn't notice the flaws then, but it, it's really uncomfortable to hold for like any prolonged period of time. And now that I have this XL model, which it, it might be virtue of the XL, but I think it, it has a lot to do as well with how it's much smoother the new 3DS feels. It's a lot more comfortable. Uh, I played uh, to 100% Majora's Mask over the weekend. and You guys work fast. I, I have the game practically <laughs> memorized. So even with changes, it was, it was really quick. Uh, but I was playing for a long time, and it, I couldn't put it down. I didn't want to put it down, whereas if I were playing on old 3DS, I probably would have wanted to put it down. Uh, so the the main thing that I think of this thing now that it's been released is God, they so screwed up the system transfer process. <laughs> it's so bad. I would have gladly. Which method paid. did you use? I used. Ugh, I tried to use the PC transfer method. 
Ah, okay. Um, I tried. I see. I see. Yeah. Which, you know, that's been advertised as like the hardest, but the, by far the fastest. Right. Um, and it, by all the guides, like online, it looked like it was pretty easy, but <laughs> well, the hard Nintendo seemed to be getting your SD card out of the thing. No, that's not even the hard part. That is kind wow. of difficult. For those who don't know, you have to unscrew the back of the 3DS. You have to then open it with the stylus, not with your fingers. You have to use the stylus to pry it open. It's going to make these large, loud cracking sounds that are going to scare scare you silly. Um, but they're, they're, for whatever reason, they're normal. Um, so you have to do all this this stuff to take out the SD card. And if you are someone like me who has five gigabytes of data on your SD card... The four gigabyte SD card that they package with the new Nintendo 3DS XL is not going to work. So you have to, you have two options. You can transfer via SD card, or you can you can transfer normally and select, download a select few titles to your new 3DS manually. I didn't want to do that because I had a lot of digital software and because you know I wanted to upgrade the size of the SD card anyway at some point uh, so that I could fit more content on there at once. But the system transfer process requires you to back up, to, to rather back up the SD card on your old 3DS to your computer and then put it on the new SD card that has like the 32 whatever and replace that into your new 3DS before you start the system transfer process at all. And the instructions of the system transfer process do not tell you that. So I did not do that. Then the system transfer process gets to a point where it says, you're gonna have to swap your memory cards at some point or your SD cards at some point. And it was, it was this confusing nightmare. I got basically to the end of the system transfer process with my four gigabyte SD card in the new Nintendo 3DS. I, ha I was on the phone with customer support for like almost an hour and a half trying to figure out how the heck do I prevent my data from just getting deleted and com remaining completely inaccessible. And this is specifically because the system fails to warn you that you have to do that before starting the system transfer process. Not during, not after, but before. So it was this whole nightmare. And it really, it really would not have been so bad if Nintendo's 3DS digital rights management was not just such another nightmare of its own. Uh, because what was at stake here was not that I wouldn't have my save game data. That's... That would be f very frustrating. But what was also at stake here was I wouldn't have $250 worth of games that I've paid for. I would not have any access to those anymore. Right, because the licenses would have been deleted from your original right. 3DS and they would right. not have been transferred to your new one. Right, and I have three backups of this 3DS data on my computer. And even though I have that and I have a Nintendo Network ID and it's registered with like Club Nintendo and all this stuff that proves my identity... Despite all of that, they have no way of restoring your licenses, your save game data, uh, your your downloaded game data, if it's if something somehow goes awry. And there's so much that can go awry. And even even if you've taken all the measures you possibly can as an owner of this digital content to ensure that you have it safely backed up, you can't restore that backed up data if something right. goes awry. Wow, that does sound yeah. unfun. Oh yeah, I'm I, I'm still just talking about it is getting me mad again because it really this should not be an issue. This this issue should have been solved in 2011 when they launched the original 3DS. Now it's just even worse because they've launched the new 3DS with a flawed system transfer process, which then exacerbates the flaws of their digital rights management. 
And I'm sure that transfer process is the same on Wii U, I would say. Not exactly the same, but the general gist of it is the same. Even though Wii U seems to have had Nintendo Network IDs built in from the start. A quick comment to that point. On Wii U, you have to have two Wii U consoles present at that time, which is absurd. If you're yeah. gonna, if you're if you're trying to do that, if you're trying to do that in the first place, it means that you don't have your old Wii U anymore. Probably. Like we need to have a separate podcast and... just for Colin to be upset. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have it uh, at the beginning of the week. It'll be the. Uh, if I uh, if I, I had more we'll time it. to still do that like news recap show, I would rip Nintendo a new one for this kind of stuff because it it shouldn't be happening anymore. Yeah, and, and I'd say that too. Even though I didn't do the I didn't do the SD card swap, I did the the uh, wireless transfer. But you know, there's still stuff that could go wrong during that, and it right. takes forever. Right. It took me at least an hour and fifteen. I t- I know a, a writer here, Elijah, it took him two and a half hours. Uh, it's, I only it's I only had the original I think the original SD card in my old 3ds, so it I didn't have that much on there. That's still that's. Why? Why do I have to do that? Why can't I just have my licenses and have the confidence right. that I can just re-download stuff? I mean, I right. could have and it's especially confounding that they have this whole system in place because they're trying to encourage digital software sales. Uh, with digital sales, they don't need to spend any money on production. They don't need to spend any money shipping them out to retailers. The retailers don't uh, take any cut of it. They make 100% of the profit off of digitally downloaded games. So they have every reason not to put people through this this stuff colin yeah please understand (laughs) it's true i'm not sure i do Ben. they should be incentivized to have this great customer experience because they know that if they keep their customers their customers will come back for their next device right next device but if they don't have happy customers who want to transfer their data over to their next system who want to buy data digitally in the first place then it's not going to happen Right. I mean, this, well, this, honestly, this experience has, has frustrated me to the point where I'm not sure that I would, if they come out with another new kind of 3DS, I don't think I will upgrade because this is such a nightmare. Uh, so bringing this back around, uh, system transfer issues aside, uh, let's, let's get back to the important thing, which is the games. What kind of future do we see for this thing? What do we think Nintendo will do with it? What kind of games do we think they'll put on it? You know, initially, I thought that they would really support this with a lot of exclusive titles, but just reading a lot about um, Iwata talking about Nintendo's comeback strategy and putting cheap, more cheap games on 3DS and remakes and ports and finding ways to cut development costs, I don't know that they're really focused on expanding the 3DS brand anymore, and I don't know if they're going to really make new Nintendo 3DS a big focus of you know giving it exclusive titles. I think... You know, this this might just be sort of a, a bonus system. You know, people should upgrade to this because you get extra features and so on and so forth. I don't know that they'll they'll really support this with very many exclusive outside of like what you said earlier. Maybe we'll get some more like GameCube or or Wii remakes that are. It's like the hundred ten percent run. Yeah, basically. <laughs> I kind of feel like 3ds software has peaked. Um, I it doesn't really sound like they have. Uh, very many more clear plans in the pipeline. You know, we have Codename Steam coming out. We have Xenoblade Chronicles 3D coming out. Um, but beyond that, it doesn't really look like there are going to be any more games. I'm sure we'll get another Pokemon uh, in 2015 um, and 2016 and 2017. But, you know, it looks it looks like they've gotten all their major brands that they want to get on the 3DS already on the 3DS, and it doesn't really sound like they're going to keep keep pushing it terribly hard uh you know i think i think ben's right i think it sounds like it's mostly going to be 
remakes, uh, smartphone game upgrades, um, and ports from here on out. Uh, maybe one or two new uh, original games, but I just don't really see 3DS software going many interesting places in the future. And that applies for all 3DS models, not just the new Nintendo 3DS. XL, Amiibo, Line, Superboy, you. Yeah, I think I'm inclined to agree with you both. Uh, although I, I would have said the same thing about 3DS last year, where you know it seems like it's the end of the line. Well, but what have we gotten since then? We've gotten Smash Bros. and Omega Ruby Alpha Sapphire. Well, Smash Bros. It. was confirmed before. Uh, I guess Omega Ruby was kind of... I mean, people expected it, but... But it wasn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't announced in 2013. Um, and then Majora's Mask actually came out. That's true. I thought but, they'd forgotten uh, about it, honestly. Really? Um, yeah. I was positive Majora. I was just waiting for the when, not the if. Had, the radio silence for most of 2014 was, was a little odd to me. But and see, that's the thing. You know, it's been radio silence. Even even though we've got, we got the announcement of Majora's Mask... Um, of Omega Ruby Alpha Sapphire, of Codename Steam. Most of the the Pokemon and Codename Steam were announced early in the year, by the way. But even though we've gotten a couple of new announcements since then, it's been mostly silent on the 3DS front, and I just don't see it picking back up. I think if they were going to try to uh, keep 3DS going strong, I think they, were, they would never have left this big dead space in 3DS content that they currently have. Um, so and 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 let's be clear dead space is one thing you know we've had a couple months of wii u software gaps uh here and there but for the 3ds we haven't really had anything a original and b substantial uh in a long long time because smash bros had a bigger and better version on the wii u omega ruby alpha sapphire were a remake that were just running from the x and y engine anyway and um majora's mask and xenoblade chronicles are both remakes and that all that leaves is Codename Steam, which they're not pushing very hard. No, they're not. And I play the demo. I'm not sure that they should. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. fun. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going right. to pay full price for it. Right. I'd pay $15 for it. I think, I think Codename Steam has potential to be a great franchise, but the, the current 3DS game just isn't there. Um, but that's a discussion for another day. One thing that I think will determine where this thing goes, where the new Nintendo 3DS goes, is how long it's going to be till their next platform actually debuts. Mm-hmm. Because I th- I've noticed that a lot of the time when they take the wind out of their sails on a platform, it's because they're preparing software for some other platform. So you, you probably you might have noticed that 3DS software dipped before the Wii U launch also. And Wii U likewise uh, took a quick dip uh, when they were uh, about to bolster the uh, 3ds lineup in 2013 you know with a new zelda game and stuff like that as long as they're not feverishly preparing software for the new platform i think it's possible that we could see sort of a resurgence now that after their current round of wii u titles is out the door uh, the question is when are we going to see announcements and i don't think i think we we have to wait and see what comes out of e3 before we make any calls right but uh they may, may have an intended well director be right. too before then too uh, we'll see I just think it'd be really tragic if they drop this actually substantial refresh, not just a size or form factor refresh, and never really did anything with it. Anything. So we've talked about remakes. We've talked about uh, ports. We've talked about a bunch of ways that Nintendo could monetize their existing fans. I mean, Amiibo is in there. Uh, So 
I wonder if it, it's going to turn out that new 3DS is really just the, here, why don't you buy more of our stuff, existing 3DS owners platform, rather than a, hi, you're a new 3DS owner. Try new Nintendo 3DS. Uh, I don't think yeah. it's, I don't think it's going to be a push for wider adoption. It's going to be a push for getting people to buy into more stuff. Yeah, I mean, I hate to say it, but I I agree with you. I think it really is just sort of a, a quick cash grab for. I don't I don't want to say cash grab because that has all these certain negative sorts of connotations. But I do definitely think, I I do think though that this is sort of a last um, last hurrah for the Nintendo 3DS, and that uh, you know they're just trying to squeeze out whatever money of it that they can from the system and hopefully you know provide good value in the process to people hopefully really like it. hopefully <laughs> so far so far i don't know but we seem to be skeptical we'll see yeah anyway it sounds like uh it sounds like we've all got kind of mixed impressions we seem to like the hardware for the most part but uh right i mean if, if you don't, don't have like a 3ds yet going. if you've been thinking of picking one up let me be clear the new 3ds is definitely what to get um but well, they if even you already, introduced if, it at the same price as the original XL. Mm-hmm. So, but you them. know, if if you already have one, an upgrade may or may not be worth your time and money. Just kind of depending, I guess, on how much time and money you have, how much you value the faster download speeds, how much you value the faster processing speeds, being able to launch a game quicker, stop a game quicker, um, the C stick, which by the way, the C stick has been really, really nice in Majora's Mask. I agree. I mean, it's not particularly useful, but it works well. It's, oh, I, I, I disagree on that. I, I use the C stick more than I use the A button. <laughs> what? <laughs> I, I mean, just can't do it on an N64 but... remake. So, everybody, thank you very much for listening. That is the end of this week. But if you if you are just catching up with us, you can catch last week's episode at iTunes, Podbean. You can see it on YouTube. Uh, you can see it here at Gamnesia if you want to dig if you want to dig back in the archives. Um, so be sure if you like this podcast to subscribe either on iTunes or YouTube. iTunes, you will get it on Wednesday. YouTube, you will get the the recap discussion on Thursday, and you will get the discussion 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 on Friday. Friday. Be sure if you like the podcast again to head to iTunes and leave a review. It really helps us with visibility. We really really appreciate it. You can go to gamnesia.com for more news, uh, more news on other aspects of the video game industry. You know, we got Microsoft, Sony, we got. We've got a couple mobile things. Um, and, of course, more Nintendo news that we didn't have the time to discuss here on the podcast today. And be sure to send us questions. You can send us questions to colin at gamnesia.com uh, currently. We will be holding a question and answer block when we get enough questions uh, that we can fill an entire block with. So uh, we will be doing those as well. Be sure to send us questions and also feedback if you... You know, you have something. If you have something to say about the podcast, please say it, and uh, we will we will embrace it with open ears, open arms, open hearts, open legs. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we hope you have a wonderful week. Oh, 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 oh,